It is good to be together today. We're going to go ahead and get started. I know that folks are still straggling in, but we are going to get going this morning right on time. My name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. I just want to say welcome to each of you who are here, and also to those who are worshiping online with us this morning. I'll share just a few quick things for those who are in the room right now. We do have Connect cards in the pews if you're visiting with us, or you know maybe you have a change of information, and you moved, and you want to update us, or maybe you any of these things on the back apply to you. Fill that out. You can put it in one of the boxes by the doors. If you'd like to make a financial gift to the church, then you can also put those in those boxes as well. We do have the stream of the service in the cafe. If you ever need to step out for any reason, you can go in the cafe, and it'll be on the TV in there. I encourage you to read through the announcements. They're right here. And so read through those. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm going to turn it over to our worship team, and they're going to get us started with our worship. Good morning, everyone. My name's Laban. I'm the worship leader here at the church. I invite you to stand. Let's join in this call to worship. Let's prepare ourselves for what the Lord might have for us this morning. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. This first song is uh, its kind of a prayer for peace and perseverance, along with some other things. And so I, I think it'll ground us here this morning. And every soul upon the restless sea, hold on. Every heart that yearns for what will be, hold on. And every creature groaning from the curse, peace. And every corner of Wild earth peace. As we rise from our knees, where soil and sky meet, peace. All those who receive every branch of this tree. the lion or come as the dove Lord let there be life life from above and every soul upon the restless sea hold on and every heart that yearns for branch 
Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be a community church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to have our gratitude and lament time right now. So you can turn to a neighbor and maybe share something from your life. It could be something positive. It could be something uh, maybe that's been a little more difficult for you. But either way, let's share something uh, together, and then we'll continue our worship time in a few minutes.
All right, take just a moment to wrap up your conversations. And as you'd like, I invite you to stand together. We're going to continue our worship time this morning. Sometimes it's a, uh, it's a decision to sing, it's a decision to praise. It's not always dictated by how we feel, but it's a, um, it's a response to the goodness of God. And so there's, there's power in, in singing through whatever adversity you have in your life. Um, we've brought a lot of things into this room this morning, but you know, by you showing up here, we're making the decision, we're gonna praise God. So let's lift our voices together. Uh, this song's called Raise a Hallelujah. And I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'll raise a hallelujah. fight for me and I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated the king is alive Hold on me. I'm gonna sing, and I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise, and death is defeated. The King is alive. I'm gonna sing, and I'm gonna sing. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar from the ashes. Hope will arise, death is defeated, our King is Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. 
Amazing. 
can have a seat for this next part. So today we are celebrating the Christian holiday, All Saints Day. In our tradition, this is a day where we remember and celebrate all the saints, all those living and all those who have died belonging to Jesus. The prayer we are preparing to pray together now is called the Litany of the Saints, and it offers us an opportunity to make space specifically to remember the ones who we lost, the ones who have transitioned this calendar year from being our flesh and blood companions to now joining the great cloud of witnesses. In these next few moments, we're going to hold space for grief and loss, and we will remember and we will honor just as Jesus does with us. Psalm 56.8 reads, You have kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. Each tear entered in your ledger, each ache written in your book. As we move into this time of prayer, there will be some spots that you are going to read, which will be in blue, and they say all, and so you can join with me in those parts. Lord, you hold space for our lament. You are the God who will remember our losses, our goodbyes, and our grieving. In the midst of sorrow, you call out to us. Hold fast to Jesus. We are on a journey, learning to be full of love toward others. Yet we watch as some depart this path and leave this earthly realm. In the midst of sorrow, you call out to us. Hold fast to Jesus. Today, we want to honor those saints who have gone before us, and so now we share the names of those we have lost in this last calendar year as an act of remembrance as we hold fast to Jesus. So I'm now going to read a list of names, and I want you to hold these people in your thoughts, and also those folks who are holding grief and carrying grief as they mourn the loss of their loved ones. And if I do not read a name of someone in your life, then you can just hold them um, in your heart um, in silence. Glenda Nell Cottle, Doris Marie Rausch, Barbara Diane Claycomb Dean, Carol Ann McGowan Stanton, Haley Cole, Connie Lewis Jennings. Ellie John Candu, Patrick Syria, Martha Jared, Dr. Arnold Stromberg, Damar Weathers, Teresa Resor, Laura Schultz, Tita Schultz, Dorothy Dupree, 
Irma Dentler, Joel Williams, Chance Smith, Donnie Green Jr., Walter Lewis Commodore, Xavier Commodore, J.C. Wright, Jermaine Johnson. We'll just take a moment of silence as we give honor to those folks we have lost. And if there are other folks that you're holding in your heart this morning, then we can give honor to them in our silence as well. You can continue to join me in this prayer. We gather together, and God, we remember those saints who have gone before us. We lament their passing and honor their legacy. We give thanks for all we have learned from them. Those who followed the way of Christ faithfully, we follow their example. Those who made mistakes along the way, we learn from their experience. Those who made progress for peace, we continue their work. Those who lived simply and quietly, we are enlightened by them. Those who gained honor and distinction without pride, we are humbled by them. Those who were martyred for their faith, we commend them to your care. They have finished their work on earth, and it lives on, reverberating into our lives now as the work of Christ lives on. May the peace of Christ continue to inspire us to good works, humility, simplicity, and peacemaking as those foremothers and forefathers were inspired by him to live in grace and love. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for sharing in that time of prayer. I've become well, well acquainted with grief over these last couple of years, and I know many of you have as well. I'm continuing to learn that, that grief is ultimately love. It's the way we hold on to those folks that we love in our hearts and in our memories and the things they've taught us. And so I'm grateful for a church that is also learning to grieve and learning to lament and continuing to learn to hold space uh, for the good things, but also for the hard things. And so uh, we do that uh, every time we gather together. We hold space for the gratitude and the joy, but also for the lament and the sorrow. Today is the first Sunday of the month, so our kids are going to be in here with us uh, during the service. Uh, but they'll be back in on the Wonder Room next week. Um, I want to share just a few, uh, well, one in particular announcement this morning that you've already heard, but I just want to remind you of it. We're going to be uh, hopefully doing an art installation during the season of Advent, and this art installation will be uh, works of art from people in our church around the theme of illuminating the darkness, which is a strong theme during the season of Advent. And so you can read about that on the announcement sheet that's on the table in the, by the entryway here and also back here. And basically, we're just asking artists in our church, um, you don't have to be a professional artist. If you consider yourself an artist and you like to create things, then that's you. Um, and so we're asking our artists in our church to create visual pieces of art that we're going to display here in our sanctuary during Advent around that theme of illuminating the darkness. And you can go in whatever direction uh, you would like to go. Um, this is going to be uh, artwork that's appropriate for all ages because it will be displayed here in our sanctuary throughout that season. But the deadline to submit your art is by November 19th, so that's in two weeks. So if you've been thinking about it and you haven't started anything yet, uh, now would be the time. If you are feeling like you want to do something but feel confused about what to do um, and you need some help to talk through it, Emily Posey would be happy to do that. She's waving right here in the front. Um, she would love to talk with you about that. Her email is in the announcement sheet, and so you can email her. Um, you can also ask me to connect you with her if you uh, cannot locate her after church. 
Um, and then Felice is not here this morning, but Felice Salmon would also be uh, more than happy to talk through that with you as well. But we're really excited about this, and we'll be displaying this exhibit throughout the season of Advent, which begins on Sunday, December 3rd. All right, so this has been a really wonderful just new thing about Embrace over the last few years is that we, our artists in our church are helping create just beautiful things all throughout our sanctuary. And so uh, it's been a really just blessing to me and helps me connect with God more. I'm just going to say a, a brief prayer for us before I share this morning. Um, and then like we do each week, we can just close by saying the Lord's Prayer together. If you'd bow your heads with me. God, we thank you so much for your love. And for your grace, we thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. You are here with us. And that, Lord, you walk with us through all the ups and downs and twists and turns of life. This morning we sang that we will raise a hallelujah even in the mystery. And life seems more and more mysterious to me with each new day. There is so much unknown. There is so much confusion. There are many things that I do not understand. There is a lot of pain and suffering and loss that I do not understand and do not have words for. And we're leaning in, Lord, to your mystery, to your plan, to your promises of salvation and peace and restoration. And so, God, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of loss, we still raise a hallelujah. We still say that we love you and we still lift up your name on high. This morning, Lord, we do want to pray over the, all those folks in our lives who are struggling, who are suffering through uh, loss, through sickness, through uh, just the, the awful effects of violence and all the things that we're facing all around us, Lord, that you would just be extra close to those, we, Lord, we're leaning into that promise in the Psalms that you are near to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. And there are many people across our world who are crushed in spirit this morning who need a touch from you. And so, God, we pray that you would be with them, that you would be with them in the midst of all the heartbroken situations that they are facing and even the terrors that many folks are experiencing right now. Lord, we need you so much. We ask, Lord, that you would meet us here. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace and for your promises and for the foundation of your love that we can stand on. We thank you for every person in this space this morning and those who are at home and all those connected to our community and for that love that we share together that really empowers us and enables us to keep running the race that you have set out before us. And Lord, we pray this morning that as we are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, that we would set our eyes and fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and keep running after you as we seek to, to live this life that, that is often beautiful and wonderful and often challenging and heartbreaking all at the same time. Lord, we sit in that tension, and we walk in that tension, holding your hand, trusting that you're going to guide us. And now we pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So today, our, our lectionary text that we're going to be dealing with comes from Matthew chapter 23. And I will say that Matthew chapter 23 is one of the hardest chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go read the whole thing and you'll understand why it's a hard chapter. Those who think Jesus was a nice guy who treated everyone with the utmost respect will be taken aback by this chapter, by his intense and fiery criticism of the religious leaders of his day. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus pulls no punches, and he launches in on them with a righteous anger that ought to make all of us uncomfortable. I want to say a couple of things before I read the text for today. 
And we're not going to get into, the text for today doesn't get into even some of the stronger words, but I encourage you to read it on your own time. But I want to say a couple of things before reading our text. First, Jesus targets his criticism here at the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Recently, I've been paying special attention to some Jewish scholars who have rightly pointed out that many Jewish teachers and Pharisees were wonderful people who guided the Jews in honorable and loving ways. Often we read the Bible and we see Jesus' critique of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the scribes, and the teachers of the law, and we can paint a broad stroke and, and act as if all of the Jewish religious establishment was broken and corrupt and awful. And that just wasn't the case. There were wonderful teachers who were guiding people in the way of God. There were Pharisees who were even um, commended by Jesus in the Gospels. And so I want you all to keep that in mind, that as I read the Gospels, I see Jesus had problems with the religious leaders, but he didn't have problems with all of the religious leaders. He was specifically targeting his criticism against the religious leaders that were corrupt, overly hypocritical, and oppressive. All right? And that is not all of them. There is a rich, beautiful tradition in the Jewish faith, and there is a rich tradition of wonderful teachers and Pharisees and Sadducees, all these folks who are actually seeking to follow after God. But like any religious establishment, there is corruption and there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. We often forget that. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. He was part of the Jewish faith. He grew up um, being taught in the synagogues. He grew up as part of this faith and cared deeply about it. And in many ways, he was calling people to be as good of Jewish people as they could possibly be. The essence of the Jewish faith was to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus taught. Christians had often used these verses in Matthew and other places in the gospel to talk negatively about the Jewish faith. And I believe this is wrong. Jesus was able to criticize the Jewish leaders with such force, partly because he was a Jewish man himself. It was his religion also. He was speaking as an insider from the perspective of the Jewish prophetic tradition, which consistently was always calling the Jewish leaders to practice their faith in ways that led to peace and justice. I encourage you to go read the prophets in the Old Testament. Go read Amos or Micah or Hosea, and you will notice that they sound a lot like Jesus. And his words in Matthew 23 aren't that radical when you go read the prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus was a faithful Jewish teacher standing on the shoulders of this rich prophetic tradition. And he was tapping into that prophetic spirit in this chapter. Part of the prophetic task is to criticize. That is part of it. To criticize and to bring life to things that are not right and that are going wrong. To unearth the ugly things. And Jesus did that sometimes. Jesus said beautiful and encouraging and, and imaginative things that can inspire us, but he also said some hard things sometimes. And we need all of it. And so I'm going to read Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12, and you can keep uh, these things in mind that I just shared with you. Matthew 23, 1 through 12 is what I'm going to read. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues 
They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then he goes on even after that with these woes. He's got these multiple woes that he says, woe to these folks, for they are not following after God's ways. And you can read that on your own. You know, Jesus said these words like 2,000 years ago. It was a long time ago. Like we're talking like ancient stuff here. This is a long time ago. Yet it's interesting, when I read it today, it all makes sense to me. You know, maybe some of the finer details don't make sense to you. Maybe you don't know what phylacteries are. It's a box that they would often put on their forehead with the Shema inside of it. It's like the most important scripture for Jews, and they would wear it there to remind themselves of what was important. And Jesus is accusing them of making them, I guess, extra large so that everybody would see them. You may not understand the finer details of some of this, but the overall message here, I think, probably connects with most of us. We have seen far too many examples of religious leaders who fail to practice what they preach. Am I right? Have we not seen this? We've seen far too many religious leaders who put heavy loads on people in their faith communities, heavy loads that they are not willing to carry themselves. We've seen far too many religious leaders who become addicted to the fame and the respect and the honor that they receive, who become prideful and arrogant and superficial. I could give you specific examples, but I don't think it's necessary because you all have your own, I'm sure. And tragically, there are too many people who have been hurt by these types of leaders, reeling from the aftermath of religious trauma and abuse. Some of you in this church have experienced those things yourselves. Perhaps Jesus saw the damage that was caused in everyday people's lives. And that's why he was so upset with the religious leaders who were causing all the harm. There are two main issues Jesus saw in some of the religious leaders of his day. The first was that they did not practice what they taught. You all understand this, right? You've seen plenty of examples of people who teach one thing, but they don't actually do the things that they teach. This is all too common and really universal across the board. The other thing is that they love, honor, and status is what Jesus said about them. You know, Jesus taught in Matthew 22, which we talked about last week, that we should love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Yet he says that these people loved their honor and their status. It's a very tragic condemnation, right? Instead of loving God and loving others, they loved their honor and their status that they received. These words maybe hit home for some of us. It reminds me of the way that we often love the attention we get for looking like we're loving people, but don't actually like to love people that much, right? Personally, I will say these verses are hard for me to read. I am a religious leader, someone who teaches others about God and about the Scriptures. These words are a challenge to me and in many ways a warning to me as a leader to keep working toward integrity and wholeness in my life. Just to be clear, I do not always practice what I teach. Sometimes I love honor and status. I love Jesus' challenge to his followers. He essentially tells them to avoid lifting up any individual within your group. He challenges to not give special titles to anyone, but to see one another as siblings, all under the authority of their one teacher, Jesus. I love the way this commentary I read put it. They said the model of the Christian church is not one in which an authoritarian figure dispenses truth to all the fawning followers, but it's an egalitarian community 
where all are students of Jesus and children of God. You know, I imagine uh, for many of you, it's easy to identify with Jesus in these verses. I saw a lot of nods as I was talking about the corrupt religious leaders that we've all experienced. You all have seen corrupt leaders, fake leaders, leaders who lack integrity. Maybe you've watched some of the many documentaries that are floating all over the streaming services about all the scandals in Christianity. And maybe you have some righteous anger within you. Makes total sense. What I want you to do this morning, though, is I want us to ask this question instead. How are we like the religious leaders? And how are we challenged by Jesus' words? We're all really good at pointing our fingers. We're all really good at saying, you're the one who's all, got all the problems, and how dare you act like that? You terrible leaders out there. You awful pastors out there. But I think that we all need to also look at ourselves and realize that these words are not just for those people out there. But these words might have something to say for us. If we're honest, all of us lack integrity. None of us are like the, have all the integrity in the world. We all, at times, love attention and honor. Who doesn't, right? It feels nice to get attention. It feels nice when people honor you. All of us have inconsistencies in our lives. I'm sure many of us have shared articles and quotes and opinions that make us look really righteous and compassionate and just but fail to actually do anything in our lives to work towards a righteous and compassionate and just world. During college, I heard a preacher say, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. And the point of his message was this. The sincerity and validity of our worship on Sunday is determined by how you live on Monday and the rest of the week. His point was that God is pleased with worship on Sunday that is backed up by righteous action on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's Sunday, but Monday is coming. This is an essential component of that prophetic tradition I was talking about. The prophets, Jesus included, called those who loved God to live lives that were consistent and it wasn't just Jesus and the prophets condemning people and calling them out. It's really an invitation to something better because I believe a consistent life is in fact a better life. It is a more whole life, a more beautiful life. I think the invitation for Jesus and for many other faithful teachers is the invitation to live a life of integrity. I think integrity might be one of the most important virtues that we could try to cultivate in our lives. I would argue that integrity is particularly important right now in our culture today. In our culture that is becoming more and more fake, superficial, dishonest, shallow, and distracted. Integrity is a virtue that is really hard to find right now. All too often we are faking it and we are pretending to be the real thing. One of my favorite books in the Bible is James. Is anybody, we did a series on James here at the church. And it's written by, most likely, the brother of Jesus. So James grew up seeing Jesus, hearing from Jesus. He knew a lot about his brother. For James, the core of right living is integrity. It is consistency in what we say and what we do and what we believe. James learned from Jesus that we cannot compartmentalize our lives. All the different parts of our life need to become fully integrated, brought together into unity and wholeness so that everything about you is working together in pursuit of a unified goal and outcome. The word integrity comes from the Latin word integer, meaning wholeness and completeness. You may remember, uh, if you remember back to your math classes, uh, some of y'all have math classes right now. You've learned about integers, which are essentially whole numbers. In the Hebrew tradition, the concept of, of integrity meant unity 
in wholeness and completeness, blamelessness, purity, sincerity, honesty, consistency, authenticity, trustworthiness. Those are all synonyms that mean basically the same thing. If this is what integrity means, can you see why I think it is more needed today than ever? The great thinker and activist Cornel West describes integrity as a quest for completeness, he says. He says you are wholly there in the moment, mobilizing all that is inside of you. You're not wearing a mask. You are fully you. You are free enough to be who you are. Integrity is about being free enough to be who you are in every single situation and circumstance. It's an honest and authentic way of living. It's not divided or segregated, but unified and integrated way of life. If we're able to hear Jesus' critique of the religious leaders, and if we're able to recognize that we're all implicated then I think we can begin to move towards becoming more whole people, people who have integrity. You know, I was thinking about this message in this text, and and I think it actually fits well today as we're celebrating All Saints Day. Because I think about in my own life, the people that I respect, the people who are in my great cloud of witnesses, they are people who have integrity or lived a life of integrity before they passed away. People who were consistent, cared little about status and honor, and sought to do the right thing every single day of their life. These are the kinds of people we respect. These are the kinds of people that we trust to be there for us in the hard times. These are the kinds of people we want around us in our lives. So what I'm asking you all to do in this simple message this morning is that we honor their legacies and we accept Jesus' invitation to take off the mask, to quit faking it, and to begin to walk in wholeness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to share communion this morning, and every week we share communion. And communion is all about Jesus. In many ways, I think Jesus was able to critique the religious leaders of his day And call them out for the lack of integrity that they had. Because Jesus was someone who actually did live a life of integrity. Jesus was a true person. He was true through and through. What you saw is what you got with Jesus. He didn't teach something that he was not willing to live out himself. Jesus taught about this radical love. This love where we're even willing to lay down our lives for the sake of someone else. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went and he laid down his life for the sake of all of us. Jesus was someone who taught folks to stop excluding people and and keeping people at a distance. And he didn't just teach it, but he actually did it in the way that he called disciples. He called a lot of people who were on the outside to come be at the center of his movement. He started a movement among Poor Galileans from the countryside who did not have much power or position in their culture. And Jesus said, hey, come be a part of my movement. And then he made them leaders in his movement. And they became the leaders of the Christian church that that we are uh, standing on the shoulders of today. Jesus taught a very radical message, but Jesus was willing to live it out. And he modeled for us how we ought to live in this world today. For me, this text is very convicting to me because I'm not completely whole. I don't have full integrity in my life. And I imagine that none of you do as well. And it's okay to be honest about that. It's okay for us to be authentic about that and share that like we have room to grow. We're all on this journey together. And Jesus is inviting us on this journey to continue to try to bring all these different parts of us together in unity in unity around our commitment to follow in the way of Christ. So in communion, we we remember Jesus and the example that he showed us. Jesus was one of those people who was being fully who he was created to be, living into his calling, living into what the Father had called him to do here on earth. 
He pulled everything within him, all the pieces of himself around this common purpose to share love and peace and justice in this world. And he's inviting us to join him and to allow him to really shape and refine us and transform us into people who are just like that. People who are full of love for God and for others. And who live those lives of completeness and wholeness that he's calling us to live. If y'all bow your heads with me just for a moment. God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for this meal that we share together every week. This practice of sharing communion together where we eat this bread and we taste the juice. And we are reminded just of how good and how loving and how committed you were. We're also reminded of how good and how loving and how committed you are still to us even today. That you are still with us now through the presence of your spirit guiding us and leading us and shaping us and transforming us. Sustaining us for this journey. So God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these common elements that we're going to share this morning. That they would be for us the body and blood of Christ, that they would be something extraordinary for us this morning. And that, Lord, we would leave here changed because we've encountered you, the living God, the living true God. Lord, we need you so much. We pray that you would meet us here in these moments. Lord, maybe this morning we could just once again come back to you and recommit ourselves to this journey of growing in wholeness and holiness, this journey of becoming people who are full of love for you. Lord, we need you so much. Thank you for being here among us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are uh, helping me serve communion to come on up this morning. And as they're coming up, I'll just give you some brief instructions if you haven't shared communion with us before. We'll share communion by you'll form two lines down the center aisle. As you come forward, your server will rip off a piece of bread for you. And then they'll dip it in the cup for you, and then they'll place it in your hand. If you'd like to kneel at the altar to pray, you're welcome to do that this morning. Rick is in the back, and Rick would be more than happy to lift you up in prayer today if you need that. And so um, y'all can go to the back. I'll be up front, too, if you'd like to pray with me. We do have prepackaged elements, and we have gluten-free options as well. Um, so if you want the prepackaged, just go to the back. If you need a gluten-free option, those are back there, and we have those up front as well. But you're invited to come uh, whenever you feel led. The King is exalted on high, and I will praise Him. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high, and He is exalted. The King is exalted on high, and I will praise Him. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. And I will praise Him. He is exalted, forever exalted, and I will praise Him. His name, and He is the Lord, and forever His truth shall reign, and heaven and earth 
rejoice in his holy name. And he is exalted, and the king is exalted on high. And he is exalted, the king is exalted on and I will praise him. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. And he is exalted. The King is exalted on high. And I will praise him. He is exalted forever exalted and I will praise His name and He is the Lord and forever His truth shall reign and heaven and earth we rejoice in holy name and he is exalted the king is exalted on The King is exalted on high. Sing that again. He is exalted. And He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. And I will praise Him. I invite you to stand together. He is exalted forever. Exalted. And I will praise The King is exalted. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. And I will praise Him. He is exalted, forever exalted. And I will praise His name. Drop out here, just the voices, just the voices. We sing. Is the Lord, and forever His truth shall reign in heaven and earth. Will we rejoice in Your holy name? He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for being here today. If you all prepare your hearts for the benediction, may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.